0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, guys. So, like musicals listeners, this is Dan here. I just wanted to take a second to dedicate this episode to our friend and colleague, Nick Cordero, who died on Sunday night from COVID-19 at age 41. Nick was a hero of ours. He originated the role of Earl in the Broadway production of Waitress, And he left an indelible mark on that building. And although I didn't get to share the stage with him, I was always made aware of the wonderful man, father, and actor that Nick was. He leaves behind his wife, Amanda, and his son, Elvis. And if you have it in your hearts, and if you have the means at this time, They have a GoFundMe page in Nick's honor. They've raised to this moment uh, over a million dollars. And I'm sure that you can imagine some of the hospital bills that will have racked up from Nick's complications with COVID-19. And if you have the ability to do so, we at Guys Like Musicals would be very grateful if you could give them some love during this time. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get into the episode.
1: So, an actor is saying his lines, yeah. and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing.
2: Five, six, seven, eight. My hills are alive with the sound of Jimmy.
1: Don't cry
2: for me.
1: a woohooer, a hand clap, or a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. My name is Dan
0: Tracy, and... I am your host this week, taking the mic right from Joe. He is on a vacation in Michigan with his lovely wife and his family. We wish him the best. And this week, we are going to continue our year-long wrap-up and listen to some gems from the Gavin Creel. This was by far one of my favorite episodes to record. Gavin is one of the nicer... And more professional people I've ever had the privilege of working with. And for Joe and I both, Gavin was the person that first played nonstop in our cars on our way to school. The first person that we tried to imitate to try and be like in the business. And sitting there with him last November or whatever it was and talking to him on our show that we started on a whim was such a blessing. Um, It's really interesting now in July of 2020 to listen back on this and all of the things that we thought were challenging at the time that pale in comparison to what we're all looking at now. But there's a really interesting part in here towards the end where he talks about the kind of the magic of what theater is all about and why he's fallen in love with it so much. And that just really, really affected me given where we're all at right now with live theater This is a great episode, you know, I've said it in the episode, but I'll say it here just for context. You would not believe the kind of person that this man is. Not only is he Tony and Olivier winning talent, who's been in numerous Broadway productions, but he also is the kind of person that can make anybody feel accepted, seen, heard, loved, and we're lucky to know him. So enjoy this episode and we're excited to bring you a new format very soon. Thanks for sticking with us through all of the craziness. We love you very much.
3: That's one of my greatest memories. I said something to you, Joe. About singing that i yeah. that was the first time I've ever said it, and I've said it again and again since that we discovered together. I think about it every day. About the glass, the, the,
2: glass, the, the glass, the glass wall. Yeah, yeah, about, against, yeah. And
3: and Joe, Joe was singing beautifully, but he was we. I think I think I use Brian Darcy James as an example or something, mm-hmm. or maybe Norbert or somebody. Sure, two heroes of mine. Yeah, ours. I think. Right, right, uh, totally. But just th- I and I have to grapple with it. And I think you're doing that thing, Gavin, that Joe and you discovered and found <laughs> together, where you're like singing you're you're pressing your entire face and body up against a piece of glass trying to sing and and brian darcy james is on the other side of the glass and i'm like back up and let yourself sing like joe carroll or right. sing like gavin creel mm. dan tracy like let your let your own voice come through stop trying to smash your because that glass isn't going to break and mm. you're just then then i'm just adding tension and when well, my vibrato sounds like shit or my yeah. my support is crap, or I'm pushing, Mm -hmm. especially being in eight shows a week or being on on a Broadway stage, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I'm constantly doing that. And I think, back up. If Joe was here, he would say, (laughs) hey, get your face off that glass. (laughs) Hey, such a cool thing. He thinks about you, man. (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) This is awesome. This is awesome. This is the first time I ever... We. We we found that together. We did. And I was like, yeah, it's like this, right? And you go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was so... and, And not to kiss your ass but i'm on your podcast <laughs> but i'm so proud to have been there and been in that room and then watched you your success i mean probably show after Broadway show and creating and and getting your your playing a little yeah you know, on on a broadway stage yeah. like pretty cool well i mean that moment you're
2: incredibly sweet man and that what but i talk about that too with my students all the time and it was it was this moment, and i think about it nightly because you're in a different place on a, on stage every night. You Sometimes you're a little tired, you're a little groggy, you're a little whatever. And if you try to push, if you try to sing at a 10, if you try to like, you know, turn it up to 11 every time, it it, it doesn't sound good. That just sounds loud. And my friend Jeff Packard jokes about how he, I, I didn't, he says, I don't, I didn't want to be the best singer on the stage. I just wanted to be the loudest, which I think is a great, <laughs> like, God, you know, to that. iconic. Yeah. But, but I, you have to, you have to have that feeling of like, you know, Th- this glass wall you're, you, your hands are up against it a little bit back and you're singing you know to you, Brian you have to, yeah. you have
3: to, I think the shortcut was we have to know our limitations today mm-hmm. and that's why mm-hmm. eight shows a week I'm sure you, you, you've experienced this haven't you Dan like yeah. like knowing I don't actually I have 60% I'm gonna give the. I always say I, they're getting 100% of 60% today right <laughs> that's <laughs> right. what they're getting right yeah. my favorite Sasha Allen who I did uh, hair with she would, <laughs> if anybody saw her in Hair, you might find this funny because you'd be like, yeah, I get it. But Sasha would come downstairs, mane of hair, yeah. hot hot body. She's one of the greatest vocalists, I think, in the world. And she would come down and she'd be like, she'd tap her throat. She's like, ooh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then she'd look at me and I go, I go oh, me too, Sasha. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to give them an A show. And she goes, honey. Why give a B when a C will do? <laughs> that was her like mantra. And, and her C, that's again, right. if you're trying, all oh, you're going to, Jeff Packard, yeah, yeah. you're going to just sound loud yeah. and not right? good. There's going
2: to be no color. There's going to be no, yeah. like, you know, finesse right. yeah, or, or, or yeah. expression.
3: Yeah. And yeah. I just, I feel this brings a point that I want to ask about and talk about. I'm disenchanted with musical theater at the moment for a few reasons. Number one reason it's because I love it, and when mm-hmm. somebody like right. when you're when the thing you love the most isn't behaving well, or 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 is it di- you feel as being is abandoned you or whatever, <laughs> yeah, right. and and this is all so, so self righteous. So forgive me, but like I am I'm really tired of people just screaming on stage. I'm tired of the the money note. People applauding when somebody screams and holds a note two thirds of the way through the song, and I'm like, you haven't told me anything about. Yourself. You haven't, you don't, there's no point of view. There's no story. There's no character. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's just being fierce. Yeah. And I feel like I'm grandpa saying that.
0: No, I, I think no. that's, I think you're you, like, we spent so much time and young students still spend so much time thinking about like how to sing the highest and do the most. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. for some people, it's like riffing, right? Or whatever. Right. Yeah. But there's so Splashy. much to be said for just like tone and story.
2: Yeah Cause like do you remember you know, Going to so a show? much there Do yeah. you ever remember Going to a show And being like I remember Being truly moved By how high that note was
3: You know No I, 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 I mean, remember thinking When I saw Adina Go up on that thing For the first time mm-hmm. And I would look down And my hands were like I'm oh like Yeah and yeah I, <laughs> I was you know, crying right. Yeah I, I was I was that But that was a, uh, I think a combination Of Joe Delude mm-hmm. Makeup designer right. right A combination of uh, is it not Susan Hilferty? Is it Susan Hilferty who did the cost the costume? The costumes were wicked, Yeah. Mark Platt producing it, and Joe Mantello and and Lisa and everybody staging that moment, like right. Joe coming up with the idea. Or I'm assuming it was Joe. Like yeah. the dress becomes the whole stage, and they're all down, and she's up, and and a, and then of course at the top of the cake, Adina. Right. Right. Who is a dangerous singer? Yes. And, and that's exciting to me. Right. But I remember seeing Rent. I saw the original company of Rent four months after it opened on Broadway, and I remember going. I don't know how any of these people are going to have a career after this, except for that girl right there. Mm-hmm. She knows how to sing. I was wrong because right. all of them went on to do incredible things, right. but I was just so worried right. because that was sort of the, don't you think that was like the contemporary advent of yeah loud? Yeah. The, well, you know, but also the, I think
2: that, you know, like we talked to Alex Brightman a couple of weeks ago and like the oh, guy, like do that? So sometimes right. you have the facility to just push the edge, but then he did hemorrhage multiple, like on, 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 uh, School, of on School of Rock did and it, really? yeah, just pushed it to the edge and then it broke. And then, but it's like that. So he, he's like, no, that's what you're going to get. Like you're going to get 150%. And then when I break, I break and then we'll, we'll put the pieces back together, which is one. It's, it's almost like the, the athlete's mentality or like the, the, the football players mentality as opposed to like the baseball players mentality it's like right. you're gonna play 12 games as opposed to play 180 games like you can't get right. through 180 games going you know what I mean I don't know right. that's just no, totally. a, a and that doesn't kind have, of a crap analogy you know, the point but. being that doesn't have to be plan A
3: And also, I want to hear something in the theater that makes me go, "Oh, yeah, right," you know, or "Oh, I, yes, I've heard that word; those words, you matter to." But I, right, I've never really thought of it like that. And no, it's not going to resonate with every single person. But,
2: but, but half you're going to love it, half you're going to hate it. And like, it's fun to talk about it and to make it, you know, to to actually disagree with somebody and be like, "No, this is I." I Strongly disagree with your take on this song. And I think it's brilliant. And you might think it's simple and whatever, but like simple and plain,
3: but not much to ask from somebody. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh yeah, call back. Um That's Genius. why that's why I saw Oklahoma. Because yeah. I heard from people they hated it. Yep. And then I heard from people they loved it. So I was like, that's the theater I want to see. Me too. Yes. I want I don't want to leave indifferent. No. no. And 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 I I also, you know, another thing I'm tired of is people's and my opinion i'm like shut up yeah like like have an opinion talk about it amongst your friends but like i you don't need to make a sorry i'm gonna sound old but <laughs> you don't need to make a statement on everything in the world on your social media account yeah. and say well this is how i feel we did, when we didn't have social media before this moment where did we do those yeah. at dinner parties right in, in classrooms conversation, conversation. right, right when we could read body language and watch somebody wince and go and, and then temper our conversation a little so that we didn't hurt their feelings. Right. Where I'm at a, I'm on my phone or I'm an Instagram or I'm on my computer and I can't read your body language and go, Oh, you're not with me. Let me qualify what I'm saying. Let me make sure I, 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 I'm just challenged by our need to make statements about how we feel about certain things that said, I know I've done it and I'm trying to do it less. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to just go, my friends and I will say it's not for me and let's leave it at that. Let's yeah. leave it there. It's not for me, right. but who is it for? Yeah. Right. You loved it. Awesome. Right. It wasn't for me. Do you want to know why? Yeah. Cool. I don't yeah. have to tell you because I don't want to piss on your parade. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah. In the same way yeah. that you matter to me doesn't land
0: for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're obsessed with this idea that like there is right and there is wrong. Right. And this is now permeating all aspects of our culture right mm. but like there's gray <laughs> to everything yeah and like we used to be comfortable living in gray and having like the kind of decency and the respect for each other to like communicate in the gray and now it's like i'm right and you're wrong if you're yeah. not on my team you're on their team and i don't want anything it's to do us with against you. them mentality exactly, yeah. all the time and that yeah. is true of like the way we talk about shows where it's like oh that show's trash i that's bad. I know. You know? And it's but, like, no, it's not bad. It's just you didn't connect to it. But it's
3: not for you. You make films. You're, you're a director. You're a writer. Do you, do you write songs as well? No. I know you do. Poorly. Who cares? So do I. <laughs> no, you don't. No, oh, Well, that's very nice. I love writing, and I think I'm actually getting better and better at it. But you are I'm gonna, really good at I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I think there's a compassion that you get. I know there's a compassion that I got once you've tried to create something. Hell yeah. And once you have sure. really tried to go down that, I think it's, it's, it's evil if you don't adopt that compassion. Totally. I think that's where people become embittered and then they get mad. As, Why is that person succeeding? And I'm, I'm trying to make something too. My musical's better than theirs. That's one direction. But I think the other direction is, oh my God, I've been sitting at this computer editing this, this short film for hours or whatever. And I go see a short film that's won Sundance Awards and I didn't think it was that good. I'm not going to trash it because I know how much time and effort and work it takes. There is enough food at the table for everybody. Yeah. If you're given the opportunity and if opportunities are available to you, that's where my white privilege comes in. Right. And my, my, my socioeconomic privilege. Totally. If there, if there aren't opportunities, there isn't enough. There's no food. There's no food. Right. And so now
2: you're just starting to think about like ways to kind of give some privilege back or create opportunities for, for, for things and things to happen for people that don't have that potentially.
3: Yeah. Um, and make sure that ma- people have access. Yeah. Making sure people Opportunities. have Opportunities. I, I really think, and I know we all agree, we all agree in this, arts education is everything. right? I think it's going to be like a 30 year process to get the, we're, I don't know that we're going to be here to enjoy the spoils of, like re, we're, we're going to be retired and often Maui drinking your Mai Tais. <laughs> but, like, but like, I think it's, five-year-olds and six-year-olds and not born yet yeah, creating arts education opportunities and, and talking to their parents to say, I know you have no money. You're living in a terrible apartment in New York city somewhere. And you don't think that this is a viable option because you want to get your kids that you're having out maybe, or you don't think it's an opportunity. Trust me, giving them opportunities, giving them schools, public schools that have great music or theater or I don't know, coding and film and all that stuff departments that there is a there's there's more I was just reading this article in New York Times. There's so many streaming devices now and it's mm-hmm. only going to be more content out there. And we need stories. We want mm-hmm. people to tell mm-hmm. we don't need the same stories over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've this is what stories. this is one of yeah. my
0: biggest like lifelong goals is trying to re there needs to be a reconstruction of the way in which uh content is is made and distributed first. And where is that gonna come from? Well, it's gonna come from having more voices to tell stories. Well, how do we get those voices to tell the stories? Like, you know, it's like, it's going all the way back and like in many arguments, it's about like public education being better and arts education being better so that the government is like helping to provide those things. But like, I don't think that that's the solution. The solution has to be people who aren't trying to get rich off of education,
3: right? Oh, deep, Dan. This is getting deep.
0: (laughs) These organizations that are out here, like, providing students with educational opportunities in the arts for money. Yeah. That isn't necessarily going to be good for the society because what we really need, we need to find the people who didn't have the opportunity to go to Juilliard and Yale. Yeah. And try and find out how we can give those people a voice.
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: And I do believe work begets work. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I think the best advice I can give to young people who are like, when I get to the city is say yes to everything. Yeah. I don't care if you think it's going to be good or not. Like I, I did a show that. Not very many people saw called The Flood, which I thought had really oh big, good music and stuff. Yeah. I, sang, I sang Highway
2: Miles for my Michigan, for my college audition. I still give it to students and it's I it? still send that demo that you made to people. Yeah, really? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a I've great, heard it. I literally have heard that Mills
3: millions song. of times. Yeah. Such a good song. And Pete, Pete Mills is a fantastic writer, yes. I think. So yeah. smart. I would never have known him because he hasn't had like a big Broadway hit yet, but I know right. who he is and I trust his writing. And I'm interested when Pete Mills says i'm doing something and mm-hmm. i'll go see it if i can yeah. but um i was sitting at my friend's house on ninth avenue 52nd He had this busted weird little one bedroom it looked like a sauna inside everything was wood <laughs> and i'm sitting at the kid i'm you're on the couch like you guys are and he was sitting in this chair and i look at and there's a piece of paper on the thing and it says nyu and I was, oh what's this and he goes oh read that if you want you should do that if you want and it was just a, a form letter I don't know how he got it, but if you're interested to put your name in the graduate musical theater writing mm. hamper, they always need people to come and sing their songs. It's not about you. It's about them. Right. I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm back in the city from fame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I called Marie Costanza at NYU graduate musical theater writing. I don't know. She's probably still there. And they said, yeah, come down on this day. We're doing, and and it was just a file of people coming in, singing a song. Great, thank you. Great, thank you. Great, thank you. And I was like, okay, that's done. And then I get a call a little bit later and they say, oh, yeah, there's a a musical, Pete Mills. It's called The Flood. And I'm like, the what? Okay, The Flood, okay. So I go in, I sing for Pete Mills and Carl Reichel, who had not yet started the Prospect Theater Company, which is almost 20 years old now. Mm -hmm. And it was just them and at a at a carpeted tiny room and an electric keyboard. And I sang, great. Can you read these sides? Okay, great. Bye, thanks. And then I get a call that I got it. And it's a workshop. It's 20 people in the room after we did two weeks of rehearsal. They were just there. Mm -hmm. It was a tiny room. We did it, stands, left. And and then we leave and then all the people stay and work with Pete. It's all about Pete and the writing to develop Mm -hmm. the piece. Mm -hmm. Done. That's it. And then I find out that he got selected for the ASCAP night, which is... Stephen Schwartz hosts the ASCAP night once a month. And he has a fellow composer from the industry that sits next to him and critiques the writing. I'm like, they want us to do it. And would you sing highway miles? And we're going to have the cast there and we'll do some of the songs. We were like, Oh my God, how cool. Stephen Schwartz, Stephen Schwartz. Right. He wrote Pippin, you know, (laughs) free wicked, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Wicked didn't exist. Right.
1: And then he goes, (laughs)
3: have I told you this story? No. So then, so then we go and it's a room full of people and it's in, the Upper West Side in the ASCAP building. And I'm like, and there's like cookies and crudite, And I'm like, (laughs) oh, it's serious. There's food. And it's in the evening on like a Tuesday or something. And there on a raised platform behind him are two seats. And then Stephen Schwartz walks in and sits down. I'm like, fuck, (laughs) this is a big, you know, it's a big fucking deal for us. And I'm nervous and we're up and this is not about us. And then his guest composer comes in. Guess who it was? Stephen Sondheim. Fucking Stephen Sondheim! It was Stephen Sondheim, and I'm like, what is happening? It was unbelievable. Then we're like, okay, 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 okay. We sing, we we do our thing. There's there's comments to Pete from these two men. We go eat some stale cookies and we leave. And then I get a call a week later from Duva Flack saying we have an offer for you. And I was like, an offer? Do I have to audition? No. It's just a straight offer for a new workshop of a musical called Wicked. Steven Schwartz think he, thinks you would be great for the role of Bach. I'm like, Stephen Schwartz knows who I am? Oh my God. And he loved you in The Thing and he wants to offer you this role and this, they, they, they want to offer you, they're doing a reading of this new musical called Wicked. And I did two readings of Wicked and I met Adina and Kristen And Kristen used to have these lines. Do you see that unusually tall munchkin over there? And it was the whole joke was that I was like a beanpole and I'm like, I'm a munchkin, you know, and and the show. And then I met Mark Platt and Mark Platt ran Hollywood for years and and Universal Studios. And I thought, where is my life? What is my life? And this is so cool. And I got flown out to LA to do the LA reading on a soundstage and Barry Diller is sitting in the front row. Wow. And all these people are there and I'm staying at this beautiful hotel and I had a rental car and I thought I was fancy. I was RAV4. So mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> and then like 24. i 24. That's stuff is that? cool. You're like 24. I'm 22. Four. I was 24. 24. I was 24. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I come back and I knew, and then I auditioned, I'd auditioned for Thoroughly Modern Millie in there somewhere. And I, mm-hmm. I ended five auditions. And the last one was a reading with Sutton at the audition. And I ended up getting the job. And then I knew I was going to be doing uh, M- M- Millie. So there was no chance I was going to be able to do Wicked. But I had met all these people and I met Joe. I met Joe Mantello. Yeah, right. And Lisa Liguillo, and who's the resident director. And all, all of that is to say the longest story ever I said it was going to be short. Boop. Sorry. No. <laughs> was because I said yes to a piece of paper on a coffee table in a sauna apartment. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I lo- oh, yeah. It, it, I just, all right. all it goes lit. all the way back to that. And, and if you trace anything, there is no like, traje- there's no like aha moment. There are very few aha moments. It's really easy to say, you were discovered in Millie. I said, no, I was discovered in that apartment with that piece of paper. That's genius. I hope heaven is, I get to say hi to all the people I love and then they escort me to the Al Hirschfeld and everyone's there Mm -hmm. because it was, it was the greatest theatrical experience of my life. I've had, and I've had awesome experiences. Like, awesome but that one I have not I have not I don't know that I ever will yeah. watch that it, why do you think that is? because of where I my life sure and the show mm-hmm. same way that Cornelius Hackle winning the Tony all that stuff it was just me and the part lined up totally. perfectly right it wasn't awesome. it wasn't about me being better than anybody else or me Because I played, I played Kodai the season before. I did. I worked as hard as I knew how to. I played a supporting part in a musical that both were up for the Tony Awards the same year, nineteen sixty four. And Jack Cassidy beat Charles Nelson Reilly for the Tony. And Jack Cassidy played Kodai, and Charles Nelson Reilly played Cornelius. And then the next year, I did. And, and I didn't get nominated for anything in that. It was the Hamiltonis and everything. So right. people can say, oh, you didn't know because of that. I said, no, it just wasn't my, it wasn't the right matchup of part and person. I loved it. I did the best work I knew how. I always thought there was someone else that could have done it way better than me, but it was like, okay, moving on. And then the next year I worked as hard as I knew how and was nervous the whole time of like, fuck, I just want all this awards bullshit to be mm-hmm. out over with because I'm probably not going to get any of the recognition again because I don't consider myself like a flashy Mm -hmm. performer. I'm not, I don't, I don't do, I don't think that I do anything that's like, wow. (laughs) It's like, I'm kind of just see myself as, I don't know. I, I can't see. I can't be objective about myself. I don't, I don't. We could be objective when we were about hair. you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah, tell I can you tell how. Don't do it. Don't do it. But like when I was in. <laughs> do three, we have 25 <laughs> minutes? No, no, no. When I was in hair, for example, I was with Casey, Will, Will Swenson, Casey Levy. And, and yeah. Yeah. We were, like yeah. this old. Three Musketeers. So, triumvirate. Yeah. yeah. And I feel I fell somewhere in between Casey and Casey would come in. You should have been <laughs> there, you know, like, and do the thing about, and then she would sing how easy to be hard. And there was such stillness and, and simplicity. It's not flashy. She's not a flashy, I mean, her voice is one of the greatest voices ever. Right. But to me, what her power is, her quiet, fierce stillness. And there's more, we need more of yeah. that on Broadway, I think. Will's power is explosive energy. And mm-hmm. he's, like a, he's like a bonfire of energy and wild and dangerous and creative and sexy and passionate. And, I, and I, I sort of fall somewhere in between, yeah. I think. And, and I, anyway, hair broke the fourth wall in every way. It forced me to crawl into the audience, literally yep. and figuratively. It forced me to drop all of my insecurities as an actor. And as a person, I came out of the closet professionally to a publication, which everybody I loved knew I was gay. But until you do it, I'm learning. Until you do it professionally, it's not official news. And it's nonsense that there's mm-hmm. even such a thing changes now there was no social yeah. media then so it's a different time there mm-hmm. was I mean, no it was Instagram only 10 so. Maybe, years ago but it was more than that but it was a completely different time yeah different time we were fighting for marriage equality and it, it was until seven eight six years later that we got it and i thought it was going to be yeah. 30 years from that time so but there was it was just something we marched on washington we sent buses of people we started broadway impact which is mobilizing the theater community for marriage equality that rory o'malley and jenny Canellos and i did and i'm it, we we helped organize it but it was the entire theater community that came yeah. together for that it just it was art imitating life it yeah. all lined up my friend of mine was writing music I was doing workshops of Flashdance, the musical. My buddy Robbie, who was, I wrote my first two records with, yep, yep. I think is a fucking genius songwriter. And I, I knew Flashdance was a maybe a, a tricky project because I did fame and I know sometimes people act with vitriol towards certain movies. And But I was loving being in the room with my friend who was going to create something for the first time. And, and, and they kept including me in the workshops and I was talking like a creator. Mm-hmm. I would speak up in ways that I was like, I don't understand why this is happening. And I, what if we did, and Robbie would ask me, we would sort of, he wrote all the songs. We were co-working together. And I was like, oh, this is what it is to be creative and part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Which later leads to me writing my own piece. But, um, but then they came back and they said, they're just going to offer you the part. And I was like, how does Scott Rudin want you for the part? And I was like, how does Scott Rudin know who I am? And it was <laughs> Casey Nicola. Yeah. They, they were like, we can't find the right person for this. It's a big deal because we don't know. They didn't know if Book of Mormon was going to work outside of New York city. Cause it was mm-hmm. so controversial, but right. so, and they didn't want it to be because they were, they wanted, I don't know. What I was told was that they wanted to be able to know it wasn't just because the casting, they'd trust, they could trust the people in the parts. And he said, who can we trust? And Casey said my name. He said, that's who we need to get for the part. And then they gave me an offer that I couldn't refuse. Yeah. And I, Rob, I told Robbie and he understood. And it was the hardest job I've ever done in my life. Wow. That part is, it is because so, it's so relentless, high and intense. It's you're always on stage, there. A ton. You're, the talking. You're you're mm-hmm. yelling and you're high pitched, and they want it. Yeah, you know. yes, yeah, sound young. I was 36, playing mm-hmm. a 19 year old, and I did the tour. I was hired for the tour for a year, and then while I was about two months into the tour, they said we want to know if you'd come and originate the role in London, and I'd done Mary Poppins and Hair at that point, and I went, yeah, I think I would do that,
2: Because yeah. then
3: it would get me a chance to originate. What I could I could feel a little piece of what Andrew felt. Yeah. With mm-hmm. people who were and, and it was truly magical. That said, three and a half years I did it and and it was it put like 10 years on my life. Totally. My voice, <laughs> my stress, my I, I don't remember having this much stress around stress around singing. And I have PTSD now. Wow. And it's like, calm down, you're fine. You can do this. And my getting older, my voice is changing, and I'm thinking, oh, there goes, there goes my career. Oh, no. and it's like you're allowed to evolve as a singer you're allowed to find new mm-hmm. colors you don't have to sing the high e or high b flat or the high a even anymore right but you do have to tell the story and you do have to keep it simple and trust that right. you are enough it's all the stuff i tell students when i'm teaching totally
2: you've you've achieved
0: so much and it's it's a good reminder to Joe and I to hear that along the way there have been these peaks and valleys where you were achieving a lot and still felt like there was so much that w- was missing, which is just a good reminder for anyone in this business. Yeah. But what, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, less <laughs> grandiose, maybe just like,
3: I love that. It's where are good, you trying to go? Good question. It's a good question yeah. for all of us to think about like, and it's something I'm 44 next year and it turn it's something I'm going to die. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> like it's something I think about. I, I go, I, I, my parents are still living and they're healthy and they, but I, I, God willing, they will not put me in the ground. And I think about it all the time. I will not be afraid of it. And I think about le- legacy. What is, and it, now that I'm in my forties, I think. I think it's okay for me to start thinking about what is that? So I thank you, Dan, for this question. And now I shall ponder. (laughs) Um, the, The quick answer, I think, that came into my head that if I had more time, I might change, but is I now want to create, I want to make, and I also want to make spaces. I want to find the job that pays me well and gives me health insurance where I can do the thing that is my superpower better than my voice, better than my acting, better than I I think my superpower is making people feel possible. I think when people are with me, like, like they leave and they go, I want to do that. That's something that I love doing more than anything in the world. Like what's going on with you guys? Like that's why I I wanted to be here. I'm like, they're so cool. They started a (laughs) podcast. A, I love talking about myself (laughs) (laughs) and B, how fucking, um, advantageous and, and, and curious and tenacious to do this and to trust creating content saying something connection is all we have right. so you're connecting with people who it could be really easy for you to go no one's listening I've made two rec- three I've made three records now that I don't know 16 people and, bought, them. and I go Thank I, look, I mean. appreciate it you're so kind <laughs> but I'm proud of what I'm writing and I can look back we're going to do a I can't wait. Maybe you guys will come singing with me. We're gonna do a 15th anniversary concert of Good Times yes. in my first record. Yeah, we're gonna do a sick band. We're gonna great house, and I'm gonna go. Anybody out there who's a fan, come and maybe like we'll come up and I'll put you guys on like sing with me <laughs> on a couple <laughs> tunes or something. It would be so fun. But I just want such a good idea. I just want to like let's revisit what we made when I was 27 yeah. years old. And right. Wanted to rule the Hair the down to your shoulders. So it's I still, when you type your name into yes, Google, that totally. picture
2: still pops up with the hair. To, the, it's yep. like <laughs> greasy.
3: I was, and that was all about me not wanting to be a music yeah, person. I didn't want people to cast me as decide. So I kept doing things to my appearance and bleaching my hair, or growing it out or shaving it off mm-hmm. because I just, I'm, I'm allergic to people deciding who I totally. am for me. And I'm yeah. back there again. Now I'm trying to reclaim that and go, I don't want to do things I don't want to do. That's a luxury I think I have now that I'm in yeah. my 40s. You don't have it in your 20s. I think in your, your 20s just yeah. work. So my legacy would be, I want to find the job where I can make people feel possible. I don't I'd know love what that love that means. so much.
0: I mean, you just, you know, I would be remiss not to say this. You do that to every single person every that you, person you Thank you. And, and I stand by everyone mm-hmm. listening to this that, not only are you one of the most talented people in the business, but you have one of the brightest and most important uh, persons nice. <laughs> in any building. And like what you do to a building is magic. The four weeks that you and Sarah, Sarah is Sarah, the same is, way, she's is the same way. The four idol. weeks that you guys were in in that building were were the four greatest weeks for almost it, every single person it in was there.
3: Magic. I mean, from start to finish. And that was this totally unexpected. Thank you, by the way. I really appreciate that. Yeah, but, it's true. But that time in Waitress, the fact that I get to go and do it again, my only sadness is that I won't be going back to that building with no. those people. Yeah. My new happiness will be she and I will get to hopefully go and have a really beautiful time and meet a pile of people that I didn't know. Exactly. You know, I didn't really get to know you until then. I knew right. I knew of you. Right. but, But... That's the beauty of what we get to do. That's the privilege of being in the theater. Because unlike film and TV, and I've only filmed one pilot in my life and it was <laughs> stressful the whole time. But because it's live, because you can't manufacture it in, a, in post and you can't fix things, you can go through a process and work really hard and then give it. And it's not yours. It's not yours you anyway. Yeah. yeah. And then you hope that people receive it. And we get the, I wish every human being in the world at the end of every day of work got 1,500 people that stood up and applauded for them because it is, <laughs> yeah. it is, it is part of the reason why I want to totally. keep doing it. Yeah. Knowing I, I have made an, a, a difference and how quiet lives of quiet desperation throw or whatever I think it is. I think. But how many people live lives of quiet desperation? Yeah. Like how many people out there hearts are heavy because no one's saying to them, you matter and thank and you, you and I see you mm-hmm. and we get that. Yeah. And, right. and even if we're like, ugh, I'm so tired and my voice is busted river. <laughs> we bow and they go, I see you. Oh God, do I see you? And out the stage door, I saw you in waitress. I saw you mm-hmm. go on as Dr. Palmiter <laughs> Dan. And I saw you as yeah. Hans mm. Hans and frozen yeah. and, and once yeah. and, in Bandstand, all of it. We get that. And we can't forget what a privilege that is. And, that's why when i go out i try to make that you, i know you do it too mm-hmm. look eye contact and go i see i see right. you too once we're, we're not students anymore so right. we're peers and we're we're on the same plane when i see you have to know when i look to you when i see you acting honorably and being kind in the business uh, my ego gets bigger mm-hmm. because i'm like i was i was cool with those dudes yeah. right you know what i mean with but like sure. those are people who represent a piece of me out in the world it's the the inverse is also true when i see people that i th- i love and i see them acting poorly it causes me to want to snip that i don't want possession of that anymore yeah, right. so when i see you act well and sing well but be well just know you're inflating my <laughs> ego <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> because you're part of me you know what i mean so yeah. i appreciate it I'm, I'm, gr- I'm grateful to have been here and i hope there's some stuff in there <laughs> in terms <of> yes. <laughs> i think I there's plenty
0: Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are produced by Dan Tracy and Joe Carroll, your hosts. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals or on Twitter at MusicalGuys. For more information about us or our show, please visit our new website at guyswholikemusicals.com. You can find our merch store, our Patreon page, and more. Thanks for listening.